Komaki Nagano Meko Chase Chase de Komaki. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S. Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are also Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, Wesley Chinookee, Bears Paw Nations, and the Dene from Sutina Nation. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf of generally dishonored treaties. I honor the Blackfoot. I was born in Calgary, or in Blackfoot, Mokinstis, as Michelle Elliott, an English name that has afforded me great privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian. I'm a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act and Post status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage. I was born in Calgary. My family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare People, also called the Great Bear Lake People, in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Quinchotine Indahe in Satu Dene meaning many horse town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical to creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as we try to learn the proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share my journey down the red road and love that you're here with me. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we talk about today and want to talk, the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline is 1-855-242-3310, and they also have a text feature at hopeforwellness.ca. It's toll-free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And for non-Indigenous, there are distress lines in your area. Um, my Patreon mm -hmm. account is, is uh, Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors uh, for showing your support to the show. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Send in your comments or questions. I also have a YouTube channel and would love to have you subscribe. Uh, for podcasts, we are on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I want to give a shout out to my uh, loyal donors of Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Brian, uh, Beth, Kat, Celine, Christina, Crystal, Diana, uh, Jana, Jocelyn, Judy, Karen, Kathy, Kenna, Leah, Marisa, Melissa, Nathan, Natalie, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Sharon, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. So with that, I am so happy to have a guest today. Thank you for coming on my show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so um, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, sure, my name's Aziz. Um, I guess you know my parents. I, I really think of myself as mostly a nobody. I'm just a dude. I'm not like an expert on anything. Um, I just live here and wrote a petition and that's how we met, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I don't feel like I'm a real anybody either. So I, I, I get what you're saying, but I think, you know, we can't undermine the good citizenship it takes no, to, for sure. you know, to me, create that. To me, it's just part of my journey. And to me, like it helps me to be vulnerable and compassionate by just acknowledging that like I'm no expert. I claim no titles. I just wrote a thought out thing and shared it. Right. Mm-hmm. I like, I think I like to think of it like that because when I think of it like that, I think anybody can do that. Do you want to tell um, our listeners what you had uh, wrote up? Yeah, so I wrote a petition. It's on change.org, new-rcmp-leaders now. But it's a petition to see to it that Commissioner Lucky and Deputy Commissioner Zabaki resign over their comments of being unable to see systemic racism within the RCMP. Um, despite the epidemic of missing and murdered Aboriginal women who I feel, I feel a lot for the victims and the families and just the people who are re-traumatized by those comments. And Absolutely. That, like that re-traumatization doesn't go away because they apologized or took their words back. Like I was, when they did take the words back and stuff, I saw that and I was really unsure how to feel for a moment, but it was really reading people's reasons for signing that strengthened my resolve and made me decide I have to keep that up there. I can't change a word. I have to honor these signatures. Um, yes. Yes, yeah. I agree. So right behind me, see these two books? Those mm-hmm. That's the inquiry, the two volumes. And the one on top is the summary for the TRC. Um, to say that there's no systemic racism, I mean, those are just two reports right there. That's not even the ample amount of other reports that we have saying, yep, there's systemic racism. Yep. There's genocide. Mm. Yep. (laughs) I mean, I even contacted my MP and they did write me back. I don't want to name names or anything like that, Um, but they weren't on board and to signing the petition. And so on my email back, I was like, you know what? That's cool. Thanks for taking the time to write me back. I am still going to let kind of, you know, where I'm coming from a little bit better, which is really just, the re-traumatization and not getting away from that when there aren't real things that happen in terms of like consequences. And so that's just my piece. And then I also just like, I shared the petition and just, I put asterisks around it. I said, I'm explicitly not soliciting your signature. I don't even expect an email back from this. I'm just, I'm just sharing this because I see merit for you in reading people's reasons for signing. Yes. No, I couldn't agree more. I'm so glad you sent it to our MP. Um, here in Calgary, we have so many conservative MPs, and it's so hard because uh, I, I wasn't, I just I feel wasn't expecting a signature, right? Um, yeah. But <clears throat> really, it's I like to Marie Kondo people like that in my life, which is like, okay, well, thanks for the time. Goodbye. And like, be genuine about it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I um, you know, had tried for years to genuinely engage with my MPs in a constructive way, but it was really clear there was, uh, you know, very, it's, I think, a blue wall where, you know, they don't want to hear anything outside their little bubble, so. There's yeah. a lot, there's a lot of, like, partisanship and yelling, and I think people are tired of it, like, we just, we're Canadians, we just want to work together and get along and make things good for everybody here, right, but, like, it's, <clears throat> It's really disheartening and really disengaging to hit a wall 
and not really be able to do anything. And so that's, that's part of why I started this petition too. I was just angry. Yeah. I was just angry and I wanted to do something that actually like might matter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When um, we put up this podcast, we will also put a link to your petition so that mm-hmm. other folks who feel strongly, if they don't want to sign it, I encourage people to read it. And as you know, as you said, the sing or the um, comments underneath are worth very reading. powerful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the inquiry has these types of, you know, comments that are so free, accessible. So many families of missing and murdered Indigenous women have pages on Facebook, Twitter, social medias. It's insane. Um, like, like I said, I'm not an expert. I'm a, I'm a nobody. I, it took me five minutes of Googling. I don't have statistics or figures or anything like that. It's just like, well, this that I've also been aware of all my life that is really easy to look into. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's so available, all this information. And I actually came across a brand new article this morning that actually suggested that uh, the shooter that was out in Halifax may have actually been an undercover police officer or at least working for the police. And I, I was, I was dismayed, upset. Um, and it even said specifically in the article, because of the work that he was doing for the RCMP, there's a high likelihood that's why it didn't matter his domestic violence charges from before, um, that that's why he would still be given uh, firearm, firearms license and such. So as long as you're in the good books as the RCMP, then you can, you know, be a total jerk off. And I mean, he literally killed an, an RCMP woman. But um as I've found out, the RCMP have what's called, uh, they have these um, missions where they basically, people they don't like, so, you know, maybe a woman or maybe a person of color, they put them in highly volatile, volatile uh, situations with no backup. Mm-hmm. And that's how they take care of their own. And I mean, I have books yeah. from women who were former RCMP that actually talk about the sexual harassment and the toxic culture. And some of them have PTSD just from their own people. Mm -hmm. So they're treating their own people like this. How are you and I supposed to have any voice whatsoever? And especially when our MPs, they don't even listen to us. Like it feels so- We're so othered, right? right? And like buried underneath all these layers within like, it's, it's, I, it's almost like a systemic problem, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's almost like systemic. Uh, Yeah, no, I I have said many times on my show, you know, we have ample reports, commissions, inquiries, like, it's overwhelming. Papers need to be signed and documents need to be like filled. Like there's clearly an issue. Yes. Right? Yes. Can can we do stuff about the issue instead of like figuring out how to roll back words? That'd be nice. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And and that's just it. Like people ask me all the time, well, what are the other solutions? I'm like, hmm, I don't know. I have about 231 here. I have about 94 different options over here. So, you know, and that's just, that's just two reports. That's not the over 400 recommendations in the Royal Commission on Aboriginal People that was released in 1996. So don't tell me you haven't had enough time to go through reports and figure out solutions because I mean, we're talking over 20 years. So. Yeah. And I mean, for me also, it's like, I'm, 
I'm just some dude. I've been sharing my petition on Twitter and stuff like that. And some of the, some of the, I get some negative engagement. Sure. Um, and like I said, I, I thank those people. One person was like, good luck with that in a laughy face. Cause I see that as like, I, I can't imagine myself just writing a thoughtful thing and sharing it. And this is kind of making me feel threatened. So I'm going to be shitty to this person. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, thanks man. It's, it's a mess out there. I need all the help I can get. I didn't have to block this person. They didn't reply. They, I don't think they knew how to respond to that because they weren't expecting it. Like, Absolutely. There's but, so many trolls out there yeah. actually. And that's just their job is just to put um, insecurity and self doubt into this conversation. Because they're threatened by it. And that empowers me. I'm yes. glad I make these people feel uncomfortable. It keeps me going. Um, but like, I also, it took me a while to get here with my own boundaries and journey and understanding that like I, like I said, I'm, I'm a nobody. I don't have the answers. I don't necessarily know how to fix it or whatever, right? That, that doesn't matter to me. That's not a reason to not write the petition for me, right? Um, I don't know what the solutions are. I'm not an expert. I just have my opinion and I don't necessarily owe that to anybody. It's just, hey, this is the sentiment. Do you agree? Sign it. Do you not agree? Don't sign it. It's that simple. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really great. I was really happy to see your petition because, um, you know, I've been talking about these issues for years. And when average Joe public is so clearly seeing what I'm seeing, but the politicians and the RCMP and the media, the media, they see it too. Everybody sees it, but they just want to report on they it properly. Just, they don't talk about it because you have to be vulnerable and there's like shame involved and it's not easy. Like it, it took me five minutes to Google horrendous things that affected me for days after. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's all right there, but we bury it. We other it. we like, don't focus on the right issues and like i just it would be nice if we could heal together as a nation and acknowledge our difficult thoughts and our trauma and our grief and move forward yeah instead of just getting stuck well and apologizing like mm -hmm. here we are we're just like the conservatives are making fun of justin trudeau for you know doing all these ample apologies that were long overdue long needed and they're making fun of him for apologizing for really shitty policies that Canadian government has imposed on not just Indigenous people, but everybody. Like, it's apology after apology after apology. So at what point in time do we quit apologizing? And we, we change the system so that we don't have another, you know, boatload. We don't issues. have these constant reasons to apologize built into the system, right? Like, I... Yep. It's, it's crazy. I'm... I'm like focused on my boundaries and my, my relationship recovery right now. And like not seeking abusers and stuff. I guess I'm being a bit vulnerable right now. Um, but I kind of see my struggle as a national struggle that we have where we're as a nation, we don't produce on our own. We don't really try to look after our own. We're all about rip it and ship it. Right. We're, we see people who are powerful and we just be like, Hey, we'll help. What can we do? And like give and give and have our stuff sold back to that. That's, that's relationship trauma on a national level. I like, I, I feel like we as a people are disempowered when we exist just to sell our resources and have them sold back to us just to cover debt to other countries. Like I am more than that. You are more than that. Everybody listening is more than that. Yes. 
And how are we as a nation supposed to feel like we have control in our lives when we don't have control at home over our resources and we're not well with each other? We're awful to each other, actually. It's just, you know, we, um, how many different instances of like uh, graffiti on a, on a mosque or yeah. a synagogue or, you know, I mean, I, having I people big, call police on anyone who's not white. I think a big part of it is we don't talk about mental health as a society mm. and everybody struggles with it and we're not experts on it, but like our, we, we, model it like we are like everybody's their own expert in their mental health no i was not aware of my mental health issues for literal decades yeah if i was the best expert i would have known right away right it took a struggle and a journey and falling and all of these realizations to put into place holy crap like i'm broken in this way and i need to heal and that's helped me to be compassionate and meet other people and doing things that count and all that kind of stuff and like I truly believe we need to do that as a nation for oh, the mental health more. of the entire population. I um, talk a lot about domestic violence and unpacking that. My first memories of life were my parents fist fighting, and that was here in Calgary. And as a result, we had a very talk. I had a really toxic childhood with my parents constantly fighting, or whether it was in the courts or whichever parental alienation. It was awful. So in my twenties, when I finally left my home. Um, I, I finally started to unpack a lot of domestic violence. And I've always jokingly said that Indigenous people have a domestic violent um, relationship with Canada because we don't, you know, we are financially, um, we have imposed systemic poverty imposed on us with the Indian Act. And then on top of that, whenever we speak out, we just go to jail. We get beaten up by the police, killed by the police. Um, society you know, degrades us and kicks us while we're down on a regular basis. And, um, and I said, this is a, a toxic, domestic, violent uh, relationship. And then, you know, daddy, uh, Justin Trudeau will, um, in this case, whether it was Stephen Harper the last time, will make some kind of small apology, which would never fix anything. Give you just enough to keep you hoping. And, exactly. And continue to abuse you, right? Like, that's not healthy. It's not. I'll thank you for sharing. Um, keep going. Yeah, no, I'm just trying to add to your point that it's just such a toxic uh, relationship and is we do need to have that national conversation, as you suggested, that we need to be talking about what is healthy and unhealthy relationships. And as you Who said, are we as a people and how are we going to relate to each other and how are we going to look out for each other? And like, we have to mind our mental health. Um, I shouldn't have to like be somebody who realized they have like a disability and they're like broken in many ways to see all these like it's crazy but it's also I understand why people don't see it because they haven't had my journey and I understand and I'm compassionate and I just want I just want people to see that like hey these are real problems that's okay that we have them and like we need to do stuff and where where do we agree right like I'm really bothered by partisanship and disagreement and like just we're really divisive right now we're really about labels and like I'm in this camp and you're in that camp and I think it's really an extension of empathy but online right people are like this is my hashtag this is my label this is what I'm about and I lose people on and fuck you if you're not about that right yeah, yeah. but like that 
I get it. That's cool. We're trying to figure out what we're all about and like find like-minded people, but we also make echo chambers and we reinforce our biases and we don't try to reach out to people we disagree with and find common issues. Right. Yeah. And I think that's something that is part of healthy engaging with others. Right. But our, our leaders also don't give us a model for that. They're like, they're anti the other person right as the way i see it at least is they're anti the other person vying for a seat more so than finding issues dealing with problems helping their constituents and canadians and all of that and like that's part of the exhausted tired feeling people feel where about like there's this wall Mm -hmm. and it's just petty and childish and everybody's mired and it's like hey can we just like social programs how about how about we talk about like actually getting social programs you know I, and that's the biggest thing i love about this defund the police conversation is that we're finally talking about oh hold up so we're funding the shooter of halifax with like you know basically mm-hmm. a living wage for a lot of people supplying him with guns allowing him to, to be a total idiot and when it comes to you and me wanting mental health, well, no, 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 no. We, can, we don't that's have money expensive. for that. Yeah. So like that, that's the great thing about this conversation about defunding the police is that, and, and I was actually really happy that our uh, chief, uh, Mark Newfield asked the question, do we really need to be going out to a suicide, um, you know, call? And mm-hmm. he said, the other thing is, is that when you call 911, what happens is that they um, ask you, do you want fire police or uh, ambulance? And he was saying, well, what if we had a fourth option of mental health? Mm-hmm. You know, I started doing that. And I'm like, oh, thank God somebody like. And it, that would be I, amazing because we already have the infrastructure and it can reach people who need it. And we're not traumatizing police officers. We're not yes. forcing them to do things that shouldn't be part of their job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I. I also value that we're starting to question how we prioritize our spending and what's going on. And like, that's, I really hope for actual change to come out of this. Me too. I think with the COVID-19 seeing all of our seniors that are not being properly uh, funded, like when I ran for the Mm -hmm. provincial politics, we were, all all the candidates were brought together um, to hear from uh, the industry, the the folks that take care of our seniors, and they gave us like pamphlets and information, and I I was horrified to find out how underfunded it was. But now that we've had COVID and people are seeing all the elders being basically killed with this pandemic, my mm-hmm. hope is is that we'll say, hey, so do the Calgary Police really need another tank, or can that go into uh, services for our seniors? Right. So yeah, these are really like- important conversations, I think. I think so too. Um, it's baffling to me. Like I've seen news reports for the last five, six years, every maybe month or two about problems in seniors home in Ontario and whatever. Right. But it takes this for people to be like, Oh no, there's a problem. That blows my mind. Uh, (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) The Calgary police proudly put out their diversity uh, uh, training and how they get like one hour for indigenous issues. And I'm like, you can't deconstruct all of the propaganda 
that Canadians have been told in one hour, let alone give them solutions and all these things. I'm like, it's so disgusting. But the great news is, is that a lot of other people are saying the same thing. So it's like this conversation about defunding can actually go towards like, okay, if it goes to the uh, police, then it does have to go into this type of training. So that's good. Yeah, Yeah. I think like that that's what it's about but there's a lot of confusion around the term defunding the police people like some people think it's what they were just going to abolish like there's going to be no police no we're still going to need people to be like hey that guy's trying to murder that person or that person's stealing we need we need somebody to kind of step in here right yeah well community policing though is really good too because like i'm a huge proponent of community policing like it's about the ground game and being involved and knowing the people and our seminar is not gonna be enough to get you sensitive to aboriginal people and their problems i am sensitive to that because i'm i'm on a first name basis with some of the aboriginal homeless downtown yeah yeah and those are indian residential school survivors Mm -hmm. or 60 scoop survivors and uh, people treat them as if they're you know a pariah on society but the irony is is that their lands were stolen crappy government policy was imposed on them and now they're homeless as a result and people have the audacity to actually judge them and they have addictions or mental health issues and for reasons that are well beyond their control and it's it's really easy to judge and put up a wall and just not take the time it's really difficult to like just ask them their name and see like the mistrust and the difficulty they have just telling me who they are it breaks my heart and yeah. so I continue to do it. And I'm not policing this neighborhood. Like, but if you are, you should kind of, I think it's important, be connected to the community. You're, you know, and I'm just going to tell people this. Like, I'm reading a book called Gay History of Calgary. And uh, the Calgary police actually called the mission area the Fruit Loop. Uh, so they would, you know, be... Um, gay bashing basically mm-hmm. anyone who was gay and they called it the fruit loop and then when i was working for a nonprofit in my area they called my area uh loser loop uh because of the homeless people and such and i uh so I, i'll never forget you know when your own police force is dehumanizing its own citizens mm-hmm. like how do you have trust in that no and wonder they're other. just shooting like, and to your killing point and earlier with the rcmp is they're they're dehumanizing each other by picking and choosing people that they're like no you go into the trauma situations so we don't have to deal with it yeah like exactly if that's what's going on in the institution like yeah how how are they supposed to look at us like humans totally totally oh i'm so grateful that you were on here to talk about all these things um is there anything that you want to share with us about um, next steps that you think might be going moving forward when it comes to this petition? Sure. I, like, I'm, I'm really unsure what I am doing. Like I said, I, I really don't know. I just kind of wrote this and I feel important to honor the signatures that are on there. So I think what I'm looking to do, I've been contacting people, leaving messages, just waiting to hear back, whatever. But I think the most appropriate thing for me to do would just be to see to it that these signatures make it into the right hands. I'm going to continue to share it and try to get more signatures and support. And I appreciate you letting me like platform on your podcast to help get the word out. Yeah. Um, I'm also, yeah, I guess if anybody's listening and can help me figure out 
how to get this into the right hands, I would appreciate that because I'm just winging it. I'm just winging it the same way anybody who's listening can just wing it on any issue that they feel they're passionate or want to do something about. Yeah. And I want um, people to take that away from my words. So uh, Bill Blair is the public safety minister. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, between, I, I mean, uh, I mean, I also I, just don't know, like, how many signatures does it take to resign an RCMP commissioner? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's math. <laughs> Yeah, no, but uh, it's the point. The point is, is that you have enough folks, enough Canadians that are like, yeah, we need to, do, you know, do something about this, you know, denial of systemic racism because we're not going to move forward if we don't like start addressing these issues. We have systemic sexism, systemic homophobia, transphobia, all of the phobias uh, are in people this with disabilities. System. Like they're yes. consistently the most likely to be depressed, kill themselves, get addictions, be abused by police, like all across. Be sexually assaulted. I, yeah. I have Asperger's. So I live in a world where countries currently exist with eugenics programs to make sure people like me don't exist. Yes. And we still send them to segregated schools all over the world. And we still other all of them. And that's, that's where my compassion comes from. That's why I was able to find a thread and write this petition. Yes. Right. And many of us relate to it. And I, I, um, so Can I guess basically what I was going to say, not be downtrodden. Sorry. You're <laughs> no, but basically, so I, I am with the federal liberal party and, you know, we've, I've tried to put forward so many policies on, um, you know, to quit spying on indigenous people in the RCMP. And after a certain while, my policies suddenly go missing from the, um, website and such. Mm -hmm. And I would love to, you know, help you navigate the waters of Bill Blair. And, you know, there are other folks that would be interested in, in reading about your petition. So I write Bill an email today. The Honorable Bill Blair MP should use the words. It's hard for me. I've been t speaking out about G20 um, for 10 years. So, you know, for me, he's still one of those people that should have been held accountable for that, let alone oh. become an elected MP. In my private life, I call them all like team leads. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's, it's about it. <laughs> yeah. But if I'm contacting them officially, I'll be nice. I'll play. <laughs> yeah. No. And there's some senators that would probably get on board with this. So like, for mm -hmm. example, Lillian Dick, uh, she's. I left her a message. Oh, perfect. I should write her an email. She's great. And, yeah. um, you know, she's one of those allies that I have, or allies, I shouldn't say that. She's half Native and half Asian. So, um, like, we're on the same team, no mm -hmm. no question. And she has called out um, this she's whole... She's capable of understanding from her journey as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So so that, that way, even if Bill Blair will never be held accountable for his actions with the G20 or, or as minister, at least we can maybe put it through a senator um, mm -hmm. who's already on board, who's already talking about these things as well. So and I, I really, like I saw the CBC article and what I really enjoyed was like, my petition is what she's saying for the same specific reasons without changing any words or anything, right? It's like here, support. A hundred percent. Front loaded all this work for you. <laughs> right? So yeah, and as she, um, you know, promotes what you're doing, then I can promote this podcast as like, mm -hmm. hey, if you want to hear the person who created this uh, petition and why, you know, this is that conversation. Yeah. And I'd love to have uh, you and Senator Dick 
on as well and talk about uh, the petition, but the bigger systemic issues. I, yeah, I've been lucky be really to cool. meet Senator Dick a few times and she put together another uh, bill to basically say if, if there's violence against an Indigenous woman, then we want the uh, penalty to be penalty to be even uh, further. But unfortunately, that died on the table. But mm -hmm. you know, at least she's trying. She's yeah. really trying to ch make some changes with the systemic racism that's I'm, obvious. I'm very grateful for all the connection I've made since like a week ago. I started this petition, and yeah. it's already at 634 signatures and counting. Yeah, I'm going to reshare it right away so mm -hmm. that might, hopefully we can get more people to reshare it because it's uh, it's really important that yeah. um, we at least collectivize. As For people. sure. I guess if anybody's listening, I just want to say, like I said, I'm, I'm a nobody. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to share this as much as I can and post it on relevant articles. But if people have it in them to share it, it really helps. And if they don't want to share it publicly because of everything that's going on, I completely understand uh, but if if anybody listening knows somebody they would want to sign this that they can privately share this with, I encourage them to do so mm -hmm. because it does really actually help. It does. Yeah. And because those numbers are there. I mean, I have 231 reasons mm -hmm. right there. I have 94 reasons up there. And uh, that will be my life work forever because they, all of these things are just talking about equality. It's a, such a simple concept. I mean, if the police yeah. actually did investigate um, MMIW properly, we wouldn't have to have this conversation. If they weren't killing Black and Indigenous people, we wouldn't have to have this conversation. If they would just admit their systemic racism and they need to work on that, that we wouldn't be having this conversation. It was it's, literally all in their hands. It's almost like the rising tide that lifts all of us is social programs and accessibility to them and... yeah really a social safety net not throwing money at things yeah. yeah i hear you my friend well it's been really wonderful having you on here so i can't thank, thank you for you having more. me yeah i'm honored that you did i'm uh um gonna share your petition and hopefully we'll connect here with uh, you will connect with yeah. lily and dick and then i can just amplify the work you're both doing because uh I, that's what i tried to do already and i'm gonna just keep doing that so yeah. and i appreciate you giving me the space to kind of talk and be vulnerable and let people know what I'm doing and why and yeah yeah and if you um have some type of progress or anything just let me know and we'll have you back on the show sure um I guess if anybody wants to connect with me on twitter uh my handle is yyc narcissist but it's narcissist with a g in front of it because awesome. I think that's funny <laughs> <laughs> I know. I will amplify. Just tag me, Native Calgarian, and I will awesome. amplify. So, will do. Yeah. Um, thank you for being on my show. I'm just going to say my uh, closing that I usually mm -hmm. do here. So I'd love to have you uh, chime in as we go. Um, Indigenous have been talking about the issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and in public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they do not recognize the marginalized in their budget with Gender Equity Plus, if they are cutting violence prevention programs and services, Indigenous education, uterus, uterus health choices, gay-straight alliances, know that your vote to that party directly impacts negatively marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action. 
the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform and violence prevention, and now the 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. Denying those reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the education, justice, and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they do not understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties and all local politicians, community organizations, sports, etc. A really great article that I said in episode 62, which you can Google, is Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. I want to continue by putting cultural safety into action so that you can create a safer space for Indigenous, people of colour, those with disability, and LGBTQ2 to speak. Look at it as first aid for marginalization. First, you have to do something, because having good intentions is not enough. Take actions to make change. Speak out against racism. Ask questions of, with those with more understanding. Find allies and create a support system for yourself so that you can advocate for culturally safe approaches. Take responsibility for your own learning. Read, reflect, ask questions. Do not expect this learning to come from marginalized people. Take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your own assumptions and biases. Question everything you've learned about marginalized people and take steps to actively disrupt those stereotypes. So I'm gonna give uh, two examples of that right there. Uh, take responsibility for your own learning. Read, reflect, and ask questions. So. Um, we had a Black Lives Matter uh, protest out at uh, Cochrane, and it be became very clear to me that even though we had an interpreter, sometimes we don't always videotape them. That's a great example of reflecting on your privilege, and more people would have watched that if they would have had access to a person who's an interpreter. Another uh, kind of aha moment I had was that I was born and raised in Calgary. I was born and raised in Alberta. I have been taught anti-blackness just as much as any other white person has. And um, I was listening to David Chappelle and his most recent um, release, and it's, it's really powerful. And I know even 10 years ago, I would have said, man, he's sure racist. But I've understood and de-packed, uh, unpacked, I should say, unpacked um, oppression and understanding of done enough anti-racism work that now I understand he's never been racist. I've changed in even 10 years, but he has not. If you pull up any of his first routines, it sounds exactly the same as what he just released. So, you know, I, and I throw that out there because I'm an indigenous woman and I've been taught some things that I had to start questioning my biases when it came to, you know, black people or my ableism. And I talk about all of that here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm straight, I'm cis. So I'm, I'm always unpacking as well. So if I can do it, I know the rest of you can too. Because, you know, as uh, in garbage Canada likes to tell me, I'm just a dumb, dirty squaw. But yet, this dumb, dirty squaw was smart enough to figure out how to start working within the system and have a podcast and all sorts of things. So hmm. um, I'm we're all in it together, right? We're all connected. Yes. We're all living it. We're, we all, we're all going to have hangups. We're all going to scuff our knees. We're all going to bleed a little bit. Like, sure. But like, why? We can do that and healthily get along and not fight the whole way. It's possible. Yes. 
I, I couldn't agree more. And you know what? I and I don't know if I've emphasized it enough, but like since nine eleven, so much anti-brown media propaganda. I mean, even prior to nine eleven, I remember Arnold Schwarzenegger's like movies and all of these movies that really demonized anyone from the Middle East, and it was you know, that's what I grew up with. So it's like, there's that constant, you know, I I modeled being an other as a kid, right? That's something that now looking back, like it's messed up to me that like, it's, we're normalized, right? We're told, no, you're, you're this, you'll always be this. Yeah. Very disempowering. Yes, exactly. And that's why, like, I think it's so important because like, I'm seeing lots of white people who are like, this is wrong. Um, what happened to George Floyd was wrong. What is happening to our, you know, the indigenous across Canada is wrong. What's happening um, to black people across Canada is wrong. Even me, like I constantly unpacking. Um, so there was a heritage moment, a two minute heritage moment from uh, whatever, Historica Canada. And they did um, the conversation of Africaville in Halifax that got bulldozed in the 70s. Um, they just decided, yeah, we don't want these people living here. So they bulldozed it. And um, you know what? That happened in Fort McMurray in the 80s with the Métis. The right in downtown is exactly the land they wanted. So they just bulldozed the Métis mm-hmm. out. And we don't talk about that. Like we talk about that systemic <laughs> racism. <laughs> they, they were made homeless then and unable to collect wealth for them and their families then. And they're still held back today because of it. We don't talk about that. Yeah. Exactly. No, it's wrong. And so like, these are things that like, you know, take responsibility for your learning, take time for self-reflection, question your own assumptions and biases, question everything you've learned to unpack these things and commit to lifelong learning. Jesus, just yesterday, I shared um, an astronaut from the first American uh, female astronaut. Uh, She was a lesbian. And I just found that out yesterday. <laughs> so 37 I, years of having a lesbian um, astronaut. And we never talked about it because, mm-hmm. you know, we have those policies. Ask, don't ask, don't tell, right? I think uh, in that list, there should be just a space for allowing oneself the room and space they need to grieve over themselves for elements of their past that even if it's like positive to let go of you're yes. still going to get upset that you were hurt or that you've lived your life in this way. And you, you need time to make sure you don't like lash out at people or say things you regret or whatever. It's, it's really important to acknowledge one's own mental health and when they're growing and learning and facing difficult thoughts. Agreed. No, I love that. I'm so glad that you're chiming in too, because you know, it, it helps elaborate more on this I've said it for like 90 episodes these same words and even my own husband who's white passing he uh, regularly says like I I'm really just starting to get it and it took that long and I know that um, you know for a lot of folks it doesn't matter like you have to hear an elementary teacher say something to you nine times before you get it get it Mm -hmm. so you know and that how many times have I heard to question my anti-blackness you know biases or whichever well only now am I getting it and I now can say David Chappelle is not racist and I'll fight Mm -hmm. people on that now (laughs) anyway uh, commit to Uh, lifelong learning 
Yeah, I'll say people's grief and feelings are valid, even if they're being hateful and vitriolic and racist at me. I'd sure you're just it seems you're angry about something. I don't really understand where you're coming from or why, but there's there's a core feeling in there where you're probably not wrong to feel out of control or upset or whatever, right? Yeah. I can't empathize with. One of the um, courses that I've been lucky enough to become a facilitator on is called Mending Broken Hearts. And it really talks about intergenerational trauma and healing through the medicine wheel. But it, like, <laughs> I don't care if you're, if you're red, if you're what color skin you are, everybody has intergenerational trauma mm-hmm. and not everybody has addressed it. And that's part of it. And then, of course, and everybody in- handles trauma in a very personal way. It's like humor is subjective. So is trauma. Yes, yes. And then healing from it. I mean, you can't even start that journey if you're not going to even acknowledge it or recognize it. So I No, and that's yeah. why you need the space to grieve, to get to acceptance so you can start moving forward. Yes, yes. Ah, oh, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> I love talking about this with other people. Cheers, um, me too. Yeah, internalized and uh, racism and lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized people experience by the structure of racism imposed on these lands. Uh, For natives, it's the Indian Act, Indian residential schools, and other land clearing policies. Just a word, while we're being about labels, Indian Act, can we call it the Aboriginal Act? Sorry to cut you off. No, it's embedded in our constitution, we can't. And that's the whole thing, like we're, the, the whole point is that systemic racism is embedded in the Canadian constitution. And nobody wants to open that up. But then that means that we'd have to deal with systemic racism. <laughs> that means we can't deal with the issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go to racialequitytools.org, uh, Donna Bevins has some great information about internalized racism. So if you see natives fighting natives or natives and black people um, unpacking stuff, if you're white, it's not for you to talk about these things. And if you do understand racism and oppression and internalized racism, then just be kind to everybody. Um, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by the American Friends of Service Committee. So if you witness public instances of, you know, anti uh, black or racist or anti-Muslim, anti-trans, anti-Indigenous, other forms of oppressive interpersonal violence and harassment. So what does that mean? That means you're on sea train and you hear someone call someone uh, the sand N-word and you're like, uh, no, no, we don't do that. This is what you do. These are tips on how to intervene and consider the safety of everybody involved. Do make your presence known as a witness. If possible, make eye contact with the person being harassed and ask them if they want support. Uh, Move closer to the person being harassed, if possible, and you feel that you're at no risk to do so, create a barrier between you and the person being targeted and the harasser. Um, If it's safe to do so, the person being harassed consents, film or record the incident. I really encourage people to do that. I've been at protests and I've seen police de-escalate the moment the camera is on them. And I've seen people de-escalate the moment a camera is on them. So it's really important that we just know if it's a hell of a lot easier to delete a file later than it is to wish you would have had it recorded. And the other part that I try to encourage people is to that you give your name, your number, a card to the person being harassed because it validates their experience and then later if they do choose to um, go down a road of you know reporting it 
you at least have given them that permission that I got your back on this. So take notes, know the date and time, um, some things that were said, some description, and take time to write that stuff down so that you can help honor that person's experience. Take cues from the person being harassed. Um, notice if they're resisting and just support what they're doing. Do not tone police people, uh, but definitely follow up afterwards because sometimes just letting people know you were there is um, very validating and healing. Do what you have to do to be safe. Um, you know, ask that person, do you want to move to another C train um, station or whichever and just be with them to validate it because as we all know, there's the fight, flight and uh, freeze response a lot of us have. So for you to be there to help that person would be really positive, but do keep safe. Don't, do not call the police. For many communities experiencing harassment, the police create a greater danger. I've been saying this for years, and now I think people are starting to understand why I say that. Don't escalate the situation. Don't do nothing. Silence is dangerous. It communicates approval. It leaves the victim high and dry. And if you find yourself too nervous to speak out, just move closer. Give them your card. And then lastly, teach your kids about accountability and racism in a positive way because people are learning this somewhere and there are so many resources that are age appropriate for kids to talk about racism. We experience racism the moment we're born. So until we dismantle white supremacy, you're going to have to talk to your kids about what racism is. If you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk, the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline is one 242 3310. They also have a text feature at hopeforwellness.ca. It's toll free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you're non-Indigenous, the distress center lines are open all across Canada. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to just speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions. As many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinions, but sure want to tell us theirs, usually by people who know nothing about colonialism, the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigil, and our rights. I like to make a joke and say we're all armchair experts, right? We were right? all armchair experts on like gender policies, and now we were all armchair experts on like doctors about COVID, and now we're all armchair experts on systemic racism. And I own that by being like, I'm a nobody, I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you understand what I'm talking about because mm -hmm. I know you experience racism every it. day. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so um, I talk about the typical microaggressions that people are dealing with when it comes to internalized racism. Um, so like on uh, Twitter or Facebook, you'll see people be like, well, I'm half brown and I don't think that's racist. That's what a microaggression is. I don't uh, you I know. Often get, oh, you don't have an accent, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, where are you really from? Yeah. These are microaggressions that we deal with. Um, you know, and then there's people who are gatekeepers who survive off the status quo. Um, so they're like, you know, basically, no, it's fine, it's fine. We've lived this far with being treated this shitty, so it's okay. Um it's not though. It's not okay. We have to say no more. And our kids, like the next generation's not tolerating this, man. Yeah, it's it's not okay for the next generation to have to live with the things that we've normalized like that's no that doesn't fix that gets worse and worse progressively and like the world falls apart like we're seeing right now <laughs> 
right? Because it's yeah. been so normalized. Like the fact that uh, in the House of Commons, someone can say, you know, I'm going to kick you out because you called this person a racist. It's like the so obvious, the systemic racism. It's so obvious. <laughs> uh, so internalized and externalized uh, racism is an everyday reality for uh, people of color. This is why I have a podcast so that I could be heard. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny and my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian roots and stepping up to teach me to be a proud Calgarian. It is through her I am a second generation proud Calgarian. And I want to say thank you to my husband, Darcy, for producing and editing this show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child, and support down my journey of the Red Road, he has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, who we are blessed to learn from every day, you give me daily accountability to be a stronger and better person. And I hope my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues as we understand and in our journey. Again, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Beth, Brian, Kat, Celine, Christina, Crystal, Diana, uh, Jana, Jana. Uh, Jocelyn, Judy, Kenna, or sorry, Jocelyn, Judy, Karen, Kathy, Kenna, Leah, Marisa, Melissa, Natalie, Nathan, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Sharon, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. Thank you all for being my uh, supporters. If you did one donation or had to quit for financial reasons, please know I support, I appreciate your support. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you to those that cannot give but listen in. I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. And I also have a uh, YouTube channel which you can subscribe to. And we also are on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I want to end with giving the side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And thank you for being my guest and hanging on this whole time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm it's been honored. a pleasure. Oh well, Please we will on. we will put up all this information, and uh, I hope that you get even more signatures. Awesome, and anybody listening, thanks to you for listening as well. I appreciate it. Amazing, awesome. All right, sir. Thank you for being on my show. I'm gonna hit stop Cheers. now. Okay. Awesome. <laughs>